Do you know Mike Tyson's in a really, really terrible movie with Steven Seagal? That was produced. Couldn't imagine. It was produced in China. Had a chance to be a good movie. Yes. <laughs> Slim to none. It's terrible. It is terrible. Yeah, Steven Seagal is crazy. He was like, actually, what was a Tampa cop or whatever? He was like, on, yeah. on cops or whatever. He was a B cop. Yeah. yeah. So was. And I remember like, guy after guy be like, being arrested. Wait, wait. Are you Steven? Are you Steven Seagal? He's like, yes, I am. There's I'm being arrested by Steven Seagal. I'm being arrested by Steven Seagal. Welcome back to the NPR podcast. My name is Andrew Ouellette, and joining me is Stephen DeJulius and Monsignor Fritz. I changed it up that time. You did. You introduced me first. I did. The first will be last. There goes your filial piety. <laughs> Don't bring that up. <laughs> Woof. All right. So let's talk about uh, the sacraments of healing, confession, and extreme unction, also known as anointing of the sick. But I think for just... The purposes of this being a parish podcast, and we have the traditional sacraments here, and it's traditionally called extreme unction. I'm just going to call it extreme unction. Is that okay? Sure. Wonderful. Um, Monsignor, let's talk about confession first. So, I'm not allowed. (laughs) (laughs) Why do we need the sacrament of confession? Can't we just go straight to God? Uh, Do you sin? Hmm? Do you sin? It's not your business. No, actually, actually, it is your business. All right, so the sacrament of baptism is the sacrament by which sins committed after baptism are forgiven. And it's very clear in Scripture that, that our Lord instituted this sacrament. He instituted all of them. That's part of the definition of a sacrament, how we identify the sacraments as opposed to other things like sacramentals. Um, but when he gave the power, right, he breathed on the apostles and said, whose sins you forgive they are forgiven and those who you retain they are retained how can these men for know to forgive or retain unless they know what those sins are right well and i think too again it's really important to always go back to the old testament and see oh. how it finds fulfillment in the new sorry yeah no, i don't want to interrupt but i just thought this i actually did that i was having dinner at a friend's house and a, a protestant was engaging me uh, about you know, that's like always fun. Hearing confessions or whatever, and it's like, oh well, you know, we really don't believe. We just go straight to God. And I'm like, when was the last time you did that? Dead silence. <laughs> it's like, oh, so that's how you do it, but you don't do it. Okay, exactly. yeah, I see. Yeah. I'm sorry. You to- know, also, I like to say I do go straight to God when I go to confession. Like you're the minister of the sacrament, but like it's absolution. It's God right. well, who's it's, giving me absolution I mean, through the you. Ho- all the, the whole sacramental system is based on the incarnation, mm-hmm. right? So God has chosen to save us in a mediated way, and therefore our way back to God is in a mediated way. It's mediated through the incarnation. It's mediated through the humanity of Christ, and the elongation of that is, is his mystical body, and so you have to go through the church. Not only that, too, but consider the mediation of Jesus coming to us through a woman, through Mary, as well, like St. Louis de Montfort talks about how Mary is necessary for salvation. Not only him, but a lot of the saints talk about this because Jesus Christ came to us, the, the second person of the Trinity came to us through a woman. He could have just 
appeared. He could have just right. He could have just walked way. out of the desert but, as a fully formed man. Like Christ, who is the one mediator, comes to, to us by the mediation of Mary, who brings him into the world. And so it, it's only well, and another that we another come back through uh, pointing to um, the power to forgive sins is one of my favorite. Um, I think it's in Luke's Gospel where our Lord's in that house and the crowd is crowding around and the friends of the paralyzed man lower him down yeah. through the roof. Yeah. And he says, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven you. And everybody's kind of murmuring, so who can forgive sins but God? But to prove you that the Son of Man has power to forgive, get up, take your mat, and walk. That's a great scene. Right, it's great. Yeah. And, and the comment there at the end is the people were rejoicing and amazed at the power given to men. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So recognizing yeah. that a man forgave sin, something that only God can do. And so if Christ can share that power, because obviously the divinity can work through the humanity, so the humanity, still being united to the divine person, can share that power with men, as he clearly does through the power of the Holy Ghost on Resurrection Day. Consider also the Levitical <clears throat> law of how with the different feasts and sacrifices that were offered every year, obviously once a year you had Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement. Um, but before Yom Kippur, actually, you have a feast, Yom Sharith or Barith. It, it's, um, I forget what it is, but Not it's actually... your bar mitzvah, are you? Yeah, no, yeah. I'm a quarter Ashkenazi Jew, too. But um, So we had Yom Kippur is a day of atonement where you ask God to forgive you of your sins. The day before that was actually a festival in which you ask the forgiveness of one another for your sins before going to God, which is really interesting. But throughout the year... You could still go to the temple and bring stuff for the priest to offer for sacrifice for atonement of the sins you commit throughout the year too. So, so consider that how like confession is. You know, obviously we have baptism, which is happens once, and it's not like you can just be rebaptized or baptized again every nope, time. Nope, nope, nope. You can't nope. be rebaptized because one baptism. That's it. Because it it get, it places in you and on you an indelible mark. Right. A mark of which we perhaps didn't mention last time. That's one of the characteristics of baptism and confirmation is that they leave an indelible mark on the soul called a character that more closely configures you in a particular way to Christ. Yeah. We'll get to that very clearly when we get to holy orders. Which is the, which is the last sacrament that has an indelible mark on it, that leaves an indelible mark. Right. But in, the, in a similar manner how like the Jews would go to the temple and they would provide stuff for the sacrifices that would be offered in atonement for the sins that they'd committed we also can go to the sacrament of confession, the sacrament of penance, to uh, especially we have to go when we've committed mortal sin. So maybe that would be a really good uh, time for us to talk about the difference between a mortal sin and a venial sin and why we have to go to confession for a mortal sin rather than just going to God or applying holy water or whatever for grave sin. Well, that this the so mortal sin and right there's two. Well, there's two types of sin, original sin and actual sin. Baptism is the only way to get rid of original sin, but it also gets rid of all other actual sin. Actual sin are those personal sins that we commit, and there can be two kinds, mortal and venial. Mortal sins are those which cause death to our soul, hence the name. Mortal. Venial are, are things that make us sick. They weaken our friendship with God, but they do not completely destroy it, and we still are in the state of grace but mortal sin takes us out of that friendship of god we're no longer in that state of being um which merits us to go to heaven and there are three conditions for a mortal sin correct right that it has the 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 object of what you're choosing um has to be grave 
like stealing a car or missing mass on a Sunday or Christmas. Committing adultery. Yeah. Um, that you have to know that it's wrong and that you have to freely choose it. I mean, those are the three things. One of those things is lacking. It can either lessen the gravity or uh, exculpate completely. And I think also it's important just to remember that the reason we have to go to confession is that what happens with a mortal sin, you, you talked about this, Monsignor, about mortal, deadly, it kills the life of grace in your soul. Your soul, for all intents and purposes, becomes dead, spiritually dead. Because right, you're not meriting. You're, you're, you're not capable of supernatural acts. No, because that's, you, that's you have chosen to separate yourself from God, from his love and his grace, and from his church, too. You have cut yourself off from the graces that come to us through the church. So it's only fitting that for us to be reconciled with God, we have to be reconciled with the church as well. And so the sacrament of penance is instituted by Christ for us to be reconciled mm -hmm. uh, to God, to be put in that right friendship with God. And also, you know, there, there's this real intimate relationship between confession and the Eucharist because we can't receive the Eucharist. The Eucharist does forgive sins. There's there's a certain sense in which the Eucharist is a healing sacrament and that it purifies us of our, of our venial sins and whatnot. But if we are completely severed from that relationship with God, that right relationship with God, we can't receive the Eucharist or else what happens is right. actually we commit a graver sin of sacrilege right. and that reminds us of why Paul in his first letter of the Corinthians talks about um, receiving the body and blood unworthily and you bring condemnation to your own body for that happening. People in Corinth were actually getting sick and dying from their sins and from receiving the sacraments unworthily. So so take that. Take that. <laughs> um, maybe that should happen more. I don't know. Oh. Um, and maybe it does. Who am I to judge? We just don't, we just don't uh, recognize that as a cause. Mm -hmm. It could yeah. be. Um, but you were saying before, you know, the necessity of going to confession, that the the church, it's a precept of the church to make our Easter duty, which is to confess all mortal sins at least once a year and receive Holy Communion, right? So confession is allied, as you were pointing out, with the reception of the Holy Eucharist. And so the church requires that you have to go to the Holy Eucharist. You have to receive communion at least once a year, and you have to do it between the first Sunday of Lent and the Feast of the Holy Trinity. Pretty big window. Uh, most people go more than that, but that's a precept. Um, that is a, a lawful um, command of the church to do that. And so part of, in order to fulfill that, that means you also have to receive it fruitfully. You have to receive it in a state of grace. And to try to stay out of mortal sin for a whole year is pretty much impossible it's practically impossible i won't say it's impossible absolutely it's improbable but it's highly improbable and and pretty much as close to impossible as as one could get you'd have to be pretty solitary to do that but even then i mean yeah. sometimes the the most difficult temptations are the ones that are just in our head mm -hmm. you know yeah <laughs> you know that that reminds me of um the story of you know when you're talking about the easter duty receiving the eucharist at least once a year it reminds me of the story of St. Mary of Egypt. Have you guys heard of St. Mary of Egypt before? No. St. Mary of Egypt uh, was a woman of, I think she was of the patristic period. I'm actually going to just double check the dates that she was alive. But she was a, she was a harlot. She was a prostitute in the, in the Holy Land. Yeah, she died in the 5th century, 421. Um, but she was actually, she was actually a prostitute in Egypt 
and she would try and seduce the men uh, before go before the men that would go on pilgrimage to the Holy Land. And she actually had traveled to the Holy Land, and she w- was committing her uh, prostitute ways. Plying her trade. Land. Yeah, plying her trade in the Holy Land. And one day she uh, decided to go into the Holy Sepulcher, but there was like this invisible force that would not let her enter into the Holy Sepulcher. Like she just could not hmm. physically go into it. So it freaked her out. She went to a priest. and Kind of like when I got to after that first stage of the Eiffel Tower. I'm like, I can't go any higher. Yeah, you're like, no, no, no. <laughs> Too much. Too much. Too much. Invisible force. The priest she uh, met was St. Zosimus, who um, was a monk, I believe. It's a pretty cool name. Zosimus. I was going to say, was he... Might be my next child's name, Zosimus. Did he uh, inspire the... Sounds like awesome sauce. Like <laughs> Led Zeppelin Saint 4? St. Awesome Sauce? Is oh, that's there, Zozo. Is, Oh, Zozo. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Zozo. Great album, though. Um, you know. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your story. So, um, anyways, she uh, she receives baptism, and she um, receives the Eucharist once, and she goes off into the, de- the desert to become a hermit um, and for the rest of her life, and she only received the Eucharist in her life twice. Twice. And the last time she received it was when she had died. She died shortly after receiving it, too. Mm. Uh, but just a life of extreme asceticism and fasting. So she's always traditionally been someone very important in terms of being a patron uh, for, for reformed prostitutes, a patron for people that are struggling against impurity or addictions to sexual immorality or whatnot. Mm. Um, but that's a really good example of someone that, like, like it is possible to achieve sanctity and only have received the Eucharist, like, once or twice in your life. It's not yeah, ideal. But that's also, that's it's not a, typical. Well, it's also before the church's precept was in place. Yeah, now, absolutely. Now you can't do that. Now you can't do you that. You have an obligation to at receive. At least once a year. At least once a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which, um, wasn't that because, like, no one was receiving at all? Yeah. Up up until, like, latter and four when that happened? Yeah, I, I'm i not sure exactly the historical cir- circumstances leading up to it, but that, so- that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, Great Pope Innocent III. Indeed. That. Yeah. Indeed. Um, but it's interesting this particular um, sacrament we know it by multiple names confession reconciliation penance all are accurate because it's just focusing on different aspect of it confession is what you do a reconciliation is um, what it affects and then penance is also another aspect of of doing it so you know to have an integral confession you have to you, you really need to first pray and examine your conscience so that you are thorough, confess all mortal sins by kind and number. Simply just say what you did and how many times you did it. Um, if there's any question that the, the priest will gently ask um, you know, for clarification about perhaps the circumstances which um, would maybe you know, identify a different species of sin, right? So to help to get the clarity. But we need to confess, right? That's, that's part of forgiveness. If we think even back to the garden, how this, all, this whole mess started, um, God comes looking for Adam, and in one sense, he's kind of looking for Adam to confess. It's like, all right, so you ate of the tree I told you not to. Well, the woman that you gave me. So he does a double, he does a double blame. She did it. But that you gave me. You gave me crap. Yeah. You know, you gave me an inferior product here, this, this she-devil type of thing. And, you know, and she passes the buck. Um, but he was looking. So uh, there's a speculation I've heard from you know theologians you know over the years that had Adam taken responsibility, confessed, and asked for forgiveness, 
it could have perhaps been all restored right then. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Like, that's kind of what God was looking for. It's like, oh, you did it by fault. Now, maybe not. It may not have been a full restoration, but mm-hmm. maybe the punishments would have been different, right? Yeah. It, it would have changed what happens with humanity. And so there's this necessity, and I think uh, perhaps you know a more specific example, you know, from the Old Testament of where confession is necessary part of sin or forgiveness of sin. Uh, but it's, it's definitely clear from our Lord's instruction in, in instituting the sacrament that you have to confess what you've done, right? You have to identify it. You have to be self-accusatory and uh, and then say you're sorry. And then you have to do penance, right? Penance is making satisfaction for those sins because we've done an injustice to God's glory. We've done an injustice to people we've harmed. We've done an injustice to the church. Um, and then the effect is reconciliation. And well, that's, that's what we want to walk away from is that amendment of life that we're we're in God's good graces now, and um, once again, as it were, a new creature um, able to supernaturally live supernaturally. Well, think about David after he uh, commits adultery with Bathsheba and uh, has Uriah killed. Consider how David was not really planning on, on uh, at least as far as we know, there wasn't much of a um, um, act of contrition until until I think it was Samuel, right, who approaches him and Called says, him out on it. Yeah. "You, yeah, you're the like, man." Yeah, and like, there's it a guy who has all these sheep, and he steals from his neighbor who has only one sheep that he loves yeah. to death, and he takes that sheep to, to sacrifice for his friends. And it wasn't until that moment happened that Samuel's, uh, sorry, David is able to actually confess his sins, to offer uh, penance and whatnot for it. And what we have is the beautiful Miserere prayer of Psalm 51, um, that. If you haven't listened to Palestrina's, sorry, is it Palestrina's, uh, Psalm 51, or uh, Allegri? Allegri's Miserere of Psalm 51 is fantastic mm. in the Invisible Show Notes. So, uh, Monsignor, do you have, if, if I may, I know you talked about uh, doing a really good, thorough examination of conscience. I would encourage our listeners to get in the habit of doing a small examination of conscience every night. Yeah, a daily evening. examination of conscience is really quite necessary it really only needs to take like two or three minutes tops and it doesn't yeah it doesn't need to be in detail i mean you should just focus on um your daily duties because that's mm-hmm. the will of god for you um as we talked about last time you know each sacrament uh imposes on us certain duties that we have to god and neighbor because those are the two great commandments to love god with our whole heart mind soul and self um and our strength and neighbor our neighbor as ourself and so how we're fulfilling those duties how we're living supernaturally am i doing what i'm supposed to be doing um, um, you know, am I, you know, responding to God as, as properly, or what am I working on? What virtue? What was my practical resolution this morning? Did I grow in charity? Did I do my mortification? Did I say my prayers? Da, 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 whatever. It just doesn't have to be long, but it's it's also helpful because then from our examination of conscience in the evening, we make good practical resolutions for the next day, and so mm-hmm. we always want to be progressing, moving forward. But it also makes it easier to confess when you go to confession regularly every two to six weeks or whatever it is that you you know what you're working on you know what you're yeah. you know and, and you can be um you receive better counsel that way because you have a better conversation with the priest because you know and, you're, and you're, when you you're make working those, on it when you make those resolutions i always suggest you know a lot of times i'll go through the day and i'll be like oh my gosh this is a lot of stuff i did not do that great and i did not work well and um Rather than saying, let's say it's like eight things. Rather than saying, I'm going to avoid all eight of these things tomorrow. 
you know, which is somewhat improbable. Uh, just focus on at least, you know, two or three of those things, or even one of those things, and say, okay, I'm going to focus specifically on this because I've noticed it's been a repeated pattern of fault for me right. in the past few days. And I'm my resolution said tomorrow I'm going to specifically focus on being more diligent in my work. And my that, that's, or that's important. When we make our resolutions, they should be. Um, particular and personal. I'm going to do mm-hmm. this specific thing. Yeah. Like when we, it's like, well, I want to be more charitable. Okay. Well, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to. Okay. Uh. That's, that's a good <laughs> question. Um, okay. Well, I'm going to smile at everyone in the grocery store. That doesn't really help right now. So, um, better, better example. Um, <laughs> you you can't yeah. smile right now. Yeah, you can try <laughs> all you want. But then, uh-huh. you know what? I gotta say that though. When I. Um, really hard when to be things, charitable right now when things had like started to open up more and i was going to like costco and whatnot you know you got to wear a mask i was i was like well i feel like i should still like it now is a really smile you know, with my eyes like like now is a really important time of like human interaction of just like letting them know that like i value them even though they're like fellow shoppers and whatnot Give them a hug. but you know what <laughs> no no you know even worse than this i was smiling at people when i was walking by them but then like after like the 12th or 13th person i'm like wait they don't know i'm smiling, smiling. at them so i just look like a creeper staring like, at like a staring at them as they're walking by staring at people in the toilet paper aisle of i just thought they were it's being like extra the socially up. distant it's know? like giving the thumbs up sign on the radio it's like what <laughs> or like when i say i'll we'll see you next time and right exactly you know you won't see us at all take luck <laughs> take luck thank you brian reagan like um I'm glad you got that right. Yeah, I got, I got that. I saw him live. That was oh, he's pretty man. funny. Um, but uh, Can, thing, but but like a, a very specific, like if you have a coworker, you know, um, perhaps perhaps you have a number of coworkers and you see somebody like always eating lunch by themselves or they they seem down or whatever to, to reach out to them to do something or shouting um, Hannah Montana. Yeah. At the end. Nobody's gonna get that. What's wrong with them? You know. <laughs> Um, or, you know, it doesn't even necessarily have to be at work. Start at home, right? Because if, you know, starting with your state in life, if you're married, your first obligation is to your spouse. And always, you know, charity always should start at home to make very practical resolutions. How can I make their life more pleasant? How can I help? How can I uh, create an atmosphere in which it's easier for them to grow in virtue? So what I actually use that's quite helpful is I have a little notebook that I carry around with me when I go to work and whatnot. And because it's also, if you can get into the habit of doing an evening, at least an evening examination, once you get into the habit of that, it's always good to do a midday examination of like, how have I done the first half of the day and what can I do better the next, the last half of the day? But I have a little You're notebook. kind of in midstream, so it's like, oh, yeah. I can actually improve. It's like, yeah. morning, yeah. I'm not doing well. Like, Especially okay, I'm going to begin work. again, get, yeah. begin again. Yeah, yeah, like, oh my gosh, I spent like 30 minutes watching YouTube videos. Maybe I could not do that, you know? <laughs> not saying that from experience, but maybe I am. Anyway, so <laughs> I would have a little, it's good to have like a little notebook, which I have. And so when I do my examination, let's say at the end of the night, I'm actually writing it down, what I've noticed that I struggled in this past day, and then my resolutions. And it, so it's easier because you can always go to bed with like lofty platitudes and then you wake up and you totally forget about mm-hmm. them, you know? Or you're even like, oh, guardian angel, remind me of this tomorrow, and then like you totally forget about it, you know. So it would be nice to have these. It's it's good to write them down, and then especially as you mentioned, when you go to confession, maybe whether it's monthly or every two weeks or every four weeks or whatever, every six weeks, you have kind of this like 
trail of writing where you're like, oh, this is where I've really been struggling in it. So when you make frequent confession more of a devotional thing where you're not just going because of grave sin, but you're going to strengthen yourself to avoid venial sin, it's easier for you to remember those venial yeah. sins as well. Right, so. and I, I always recommend, you know, um, not only just picking a virtue or something that you spe- specifically want to work on, always have at least one act of charity and at least one act of mortification. Mm-hmm. That those are kind of mm-hmm. always natural. Um, because charity's the she's the queen of virtues, so that's always a shortcut. Because in order to be truly charitable, you have to be patient, generous, kind, industrious, studious, you know, all those other virtues, piet, pious. Um, so that's magnanimous. Magnanimous, um, yes. Um, and then mortification helps to control the appetites, strengthens the will towards the good, to, towards your duty, um, and it makes satisfaction for sin, right? So that your penance will be less um, in the next life anyway. It's... Mortifications during meals are always the best things to. Well, because you, you always eat. That's, always that, that's eat, a very you know. common, easy one to remember uh, to do. It's in the way. Saint Jose Maria says that if you ate a meal without doing some form of mortification, you ate like a pagan. Hmm. That's just flat out what he says. So, you know, whether it's like, I'm not going to have salt this time for my meal, or I'm not going to have this extra scooping of. Sometimes you don't have to do anything. Depends on who cooked it. <laughs> you know, nice. like like sometimes, sometimes like when I because I cook for myself, I'm like, well, I can't throw, I can't waste the food. I I have to eat that, and there's no there's no way there's not enough salt in the world to make it better. You know what? So you mean cooking for yourself is like self flagellation? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's I don't have to try hard for that mortification. I tried that one time with uh, I couldn't. We didn't have our microwave working at work, and I had chili I had brought in, and cold, I tried cold chili. Uh, Cold, I would have rather cold showers are better than cold chili. <laughs> yeah. I, I would have rather wear a psyllis around my ankle of it oh. like than do cold chili. I had like ten bites into it and I was like, no, nope, not happening, not happening at all. Chili, chili. It was chili, chili, chili. chili. Yeah. Shall we move on to unction, extreme unction? Yes. What is First unction? Of all, yeah. Like, why do we call it extreme? What, what's unction mean? To be anointed. So extreme, it comes from the Latin, right? It's the, it's the last anointing. It's mm-hmm. the, the anointing at the end. Yeah, I mean, because sometimes we call it last rites. Yeah, last rites. There's, there's usually more than one, because ideally, when we are dying, we want not just extreme unction, that sacrament. We want, actually, confession. Um, this is why it's important to call the priest before someone has lost consciousness or before they've lost their reason, so that they can more fruitfully participate in those last sacraments, and ideally make a very good uh, confession. So confession, so the last rites are confession, extreme unction, and viaticum. Viaticum is the, 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 it's three Latin words, via, te, cum. So it's with you on the way. Yeah. So it's, it's your last communion to, 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 ideally you would receive communion, you'd be in the presence of God, right? So you'd Food for the journey. Communion um, with Christ there, so what would pass from the veil of the real presence in in your soul would then the veil will be lifted so you just move from one presence of christ into his his literal presence in heaven here's a question for you so what, those are the last rites but we would be focusing on this sacrament of extreme unction if someone let's say i god forbid were to just uh collapse right in front of you right now um i was still breathing well, first of all we probably like start laughing it's like <laughs> <laughs> that would probably like free no 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 keep recording Damn, is he still yeah. alive yeah. <laughs> I'll do chest compressions while we talk about it. Check his phone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what can we put on there? Toto sucks, right? Yeah. 
But what will embarrass him with his wife? <laughs> All right, let's say let's use a different example. If Stephen falls down, oh, we take care of him right away. We call the ambulance. Somebody <laughs> record an edit here, man. If one of us falls down in front of you, we're still breathing, but we're unconscious. Uh, could you provide? Could you give us absolution in that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could. Yeah, yeah. If I, if I if when I get called to somebody, um, you know, who's who's obviously actively dying and and they're um, they're unconscious. Because I, I've heard stories of people not only being in coma but in that state and like kind of reviving and mm-hmm. they can they can be aware, yeah. You know, um, so I go there and and you know I get into their ear and and tell them who I am and why I'm there and get them to 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 make a good you know recall their sins and then make a good act of contrition then and then I can basically conditionally absolve. That has them. to be some of the most intense moments of your life, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, it's. Sometimes it's really hard, but at the same time, it's really pretty cool. It's like yeah. every time I come away from anointing somebody, like on their deathbed, I'm like, "That's pretty cool." I, yeah, I, I did something really important today. Yeah, yeah, like really important. Especially then I get the calls like, "Oh, they 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 died. They you know they passed on." I'm like, you know, you gave them a good death. Yeah, yeah, that's really really pretty cool. Those are those are pretty good days. I mean, it's it's it. Sometimes it's sad. Um, you know, especially like if I call somebody and they're 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 still conscious, it's like, oh, this could be a great experience, but like they're not really open to it. Mm-hmm. That's some of the most sad saddest parts too, where it's like sometimes it's an actual fight, and I realize that oh, this is I'm not fighting with this person. Yeah. Like I'm fighting a demon here who doesn't want this person to repent, that yeah. doesn't want them to receive the sacraments. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, as far as I know, I think I've. My angel and I have won all those battles. I think I got them to the point where they'll receive the the sacraments. Um, that's a good. You made a comment about a good death. I think that's really important mm-hmm. because we should be praying. Really, every day we should pray for the grace of a good and holy death. And what what do I mean by good and holy death? I mean a death in which we have the sacraments available to us. We can receive re- them validly and fruitfully. Yeah, we can repent of our sins. We can receive that viaticum. Um, Final, what did you, you said Final it. Final perseverance. Yeah, that's it. That's part of my um, uh, preparation for every Mass, I say, mm-hmm. when I, I state my intention for the Mass. And, and it's kind of the final preparations as, as after I vested, said the vesting prayers, uh, and I'm waiting for the, the, the time to go. I'm making, declaring my intention, what I intend to do for the Mass. Um, and so I, if I remember it, it's hard to do it if I'm not doing it. Yeah, right. It. Um, I intend to confect the holy sacrament. I, what is it? I intend. I intend to confect the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord, according to the rite of the Holy Roman Church, um, and for the praise and worship of God and the Church triumphant. I also pray for my. Uh, this isn't quite right, but this is the gist of it. Pray for myself, the Church militant, all those who entrusted themselves to my prayers, both generically and specifically, for the conversion of sinners and the salvation of souls. Uh, Lord, grant us the grace of finer perseverance that we may die in the faith of thy church and in the state of sanctifying grace that we rejoice over thee with the Blessed Virgin Mary and all the angels and saints forever. Mm. And then I, and it's Archidamus and Pachi, and we go. So I, that's, before that's every really Mass, cool. I always I always ask for finer perseverance, yeah. not only for me, but it's all your those, prayer that you... That's you what think. I say, yeah. Right. Well, and that's it's, why, it's a bit of an ap- adaptation. Yeah. There is a, a declaratio in, uh, of the intention mm-hmm. for Mass that I do that, then I add that stuff after it. And so the intention is not only for me, but all those who ask me for their prayers, especially mm-hmm. the intention of that Mass. That's why St. Joseph is a really good patron for asking for this for a, good uh, a good death, because yeah. 
it, this is scriptural. Yeah, our lady and our lord at his death. Yeah, yeah. Traditionally, yeah, we've understood that. that Joseph. I mean, I'm of the opinion that Joseph was not like a super old man by the time Jesus was born. That he was older than Mary, but still strong. No, I think young. he was. I think he was younger. Probably, yeah, early twenties. Actually, yeah, I, I would posit. I posit that he was quite young. Just I mean, to like, fulfill the duties that he had. Yeah, like right. like you really think a geriatric would just like help them flee into Travel Egypt? Travel into you know? Egypt, yeah. like absolutely not. But or, or support them. But he did yeah. die. Yeah, work. Yeah. It's pretty. It's pretty uh, unanimous that Joseph dies at least before Jesus begins his public ministry. Mm-hmm. And so um, think about it this way, like like our holy patriarch, St. Joseph, being surrounded by Our Lady right. and Our Lord. I mean, you can ask for a better death. So um, that's why so, he's very important. Or maybe Didymus. Well, that was yeah. kind of a painful yeah. death, but like yeah. today but you'll also, be with me in paradise. <laughs> like, nice. Bingo. <laughs> I'm ready. Souls. <laughs> so can you receive last rites twice? Like, say you yes. have a miraculous survival. Yes. So, baptism, you can only receive. Any any sacrament by which you get uh, a sacred character, you can only get once. Okay. So only baptize once, only confirm once, only ordain the specific orders once. Um, but extreme okay. unction, you can receive multiple times in your lifetime. You can even receive it multiple times in the same illness if there is a period of recovery. Yeah. So, you can, you can go down, you can be sick. And then it plateau, and then you can fall down. Every time that there is a distinct um, decline, you yeah. could receive that sacrament. Question for you. Um, I know that I don't want to get too in the weeds of like discussions of the old rites and the new rites, but it seems that the whenever I've seen anointing of the sick being used in the liturgy in the ordinary form at certain parishes, it's always like, you know, if you're suffering from any illness or no, you have to be in danger of death. The illness, yeah, that's the thing. You have to be in danger of death from the illness. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And and as dangerous as surgery might be, surgery itself is not a reason for mm-hmm. the anointing. Really? Right. So you can you, still receive confession and like holy communion. Right. Right. Like, you you could receive that. That that's fine. You know, I would recommend going to confession before any surgery, especially general anesthesia. Uh, anesthesia. I even go to confession before I. Now I, I know somebody who went into surgery just two days ago and flatlined on the on the table, but recovered. But right. So I'm not saying that it's it's not dangerous, but you're you and until you're actually in danger of death, yeah. and you don't yeah. you can't really validly receive that, that sacrament. That's like can I ask you to stand near the emergency room table? Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could. Yeah. I mean, that's. Ideally, if you have, you know, if we had priests, Catholic chaplains, you know, right. Catholic priests as chaplains in hospitals, there should be somebody there for that, that once they're like, That's okay, good now they're actually actively dying or whatever. Now, if you have an illness, right, that you're, you're which is endangering your life and you're going into surgery, that might be, that would be a good time to receive it, but you're receiving mm-hmm. it because you, the illness, the illness is causing that danger. Right. And it's, it's, it's only, like, like in the old... The, I, I think it was in the old manuals, um, if somebody is facing the firing squad or the gallows, you can't anoint them beforehand. They're not in danger of death. I mean, they're in danger of death. They're about to be shot or hung, hanged. Um, they're not a picture. They're, you hang a man. A man is hanged. A uh, picture is hung. Um, I don't want to hang a man in my house. No, that would be weird. <laughs> um, Woof. But, but once, be weird. once, you know... <laughs> What's his name? Art. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know the name of the guy with no arms and no legs? 
Which one? The Matt. One, he's in front of your door. He's laying down yeah. in front of your door. Oh, geez. Or what about the guy in the water with no arms and no legs? Bob? Bob. <laughs> the one in the hole. Phil? <laughs> you guys are horrible. Horrible. No, so, but once, once the man is shot in front of the firing squad or, you know, um, I suppose I suppose you could anoint a guy dangling from a rope if he, you know, mm. but um, then they're obviously in, in danger of death. But they've they've gotten something. You guys ever read any Dostoevsky? Yeah. At all? Did you have you ever read about like when Dostoevsky was almost um, set before a firing squad? Mm. This was a life changing moment you told for him. Us it was kind before. of a road of Damascus thing for him, and he he uses it in some of his books, particularly The Idiot. Um, which is a fantastic. It's almost as name good of as my autobiography. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't say that about me. But anyway, I was going to, but I'm like, I, I, I but just I'll, I'll make give you a break. Yeah, was imprisoned and sentenced to death, and he it, earlier in his life, and um, he was set before a firing squad with blindfold on and whatnot, and he could hear them come out with the guns and whatnot. But the, then they called off the execution. I just interviewed somebody for another podcast who was set before a firing squad, but it was a mock firing squad. What? And they didn't tell him it was a mock firing squad. That was part of the torture of being a prisoner. Really? In Iran. He was one of the oh prisoners my in Iran. Yeah. yeah, so just like what happened psychologically. <clears throat> That'll make a good confession. Yeah. That'll change you pretty significantly. Yeah, I think, that's incredible. Like that. yeah. That's yeah. incredible. Wow. So, but... Um, so one must be in, in danger of death to receive the sacrament. Because um, I know people that have like received it when they just have an addiction or something. Not trying to dismiss the severity right, of addiction, no, it, but it's, just like... The, the, the disease has to be life-threatening. Mm-hmm. It has to be life-threatening. Yeah. So I think that's important to like recover that, especially in, in the church in today. And, I, mean, I do think that the, the sacrament should be received earlier in a disease and um, perhaps more frequently because it does do, it does, it can heal the body. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I told you, um, when I was in Dayton, um, somebody was having uh, brain tumors and they were gonna have surgery, so they wanted to get, so it was one of those things that, okay, they're not in danger of death from the surgery, they're in danger of death from this and that's why they're having the surgery. So I, I noted this person, uh, I didn't think anything of it. I'm like, I did what I do, I just followed the right, well, okay. Um, you know, hopefully God will take care of her or whatever. Um, and then, like, the next week, the, the pastor came. He's like, hey, you know that person that you anointed in the sacristy? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, did they die? No, the tumor went away. Wow. That's <laughs> I mean, awesome. For a while, and it was another one came yeah, back. So yeah. it wasn't like a, a complete and permanent healing. But mm-hmm. the one that was the issue at that time, Praise it God. went away yeah. after the anointing. Yeah. So it... it that's another... I think that's a good thing to point out about the sacraments is that... They work? <laughs> yes, but especially that in our modern understanding of them, we forget that they are remedies of soul and body and body. And not just not just uh, extreme unction, but the reception of the Eucharist. We talked in the last episode about how what, if you receive the Eucharist unworthily, it can actually physically harm you too. Well, according to um, what you're saying, you know, the yeah, St. Paul talks about that in first Corinthians. In Corinth. Yeah. And so just to consider how like extreme unction, not only are we asking the divine physician, our Lord himself for uh, the healing of our soul, but he can also heal us 
uh, bodily too. Right, for the good of our soul. For the good of our soul, right? absolutely. There's is always it, a hierarchy here. Is that a sacrament, um, extreme unction, that only a priest can perform? Yes. Yes, okay. a deacon yes. cannot do it. Yes. I've seen deacons do it, and I, I, I'm like, nope. So like Nothing growing happens. up in Miles, we always had one of those crucifixes that has the holy water inside of it. Oh, a death know. kit. A death kit. That's what yeah. I call them. Yeah. Yeah. I think we have With one the at candles our house. And the candles, spoon, cotton. So I, while yeah. you guys were talking, I was thinking about it. I, I thought maybe it's like baptism. Like, why else would you have that in your house? To prepare for the coming of the priest. For when the priest is there. So you, Because normally the person would be dying in your home. Okay. Traditionally, that's the The quicker way you can get stuff set up. Right. And then you oh, have things. Okay. And that way it's so all. You lay it out, have it ready to go. All set up. Priest. You have the table with gotcha. the white cloth and all that's out. Because mm-hmm. normally, ideally, you'd want the priest coming with the Blessed Sacrament. Right, right to give viaticum so to give all the last rites so to come and you know and it's gotcha. all set up for the priest i mean i've got kind of a kit i bring a lot of that stuff with me just right. you know in case um but yeah because um, most people don't have those but if you do it's nice to yeah like, yeah you know those are good gifts especially for like elder members of your family <laughs> Yeah. We got one as a newlyweds. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Memento Mori. <laughs> well, it is till death do your part. <laughs> Here's for that day. Yeah. You're gonna die, Stephen. <laughs> well, uh, okay. I think that was that was great. For our next. Oh, ep- anything else? Oh, the interesting thing. <clears throat> sorry to prolong it. We do have a little bit of time. Left. I, I had a nice ending there. Yeah. Go well, ahead. well, put it in your pocket. <laughs> well, you might still be able to use it. But I mean, in the in the the sacrament of uh, extreme unction, the traditional rite, all the senses are are anointed. Eyes right? because and ears and mouth and nose. It's, the, it's two podcasts in a row that you have sung, <laughs> broken out into song. Yeah, unsolicited. <laughs> and shoulders, knees and toes, knees and toes. So that's gonna be the new intro music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you do anoint eyes. Ears, your mouth. Do you anoint the nose? Yes. Cool. Because you, all these senses are given to us by which to glorify God, right? Because the, the whole purpose of life, right, is to know God, to love God, and to serve God. We serve God also with our body because that's our nature. So we serve God according to our nature, but that's also how we sin. So in any way that you can sin, you can sin through vision. You can sin through scent, you can sin through speech or taste, you can sin through hearing, and then you also anoint the hands and the feet. Um, in case of emergency, you can just anoint the, the forehead, that, that mm-hmm. suffices, but it's a very powerful thing to, to forgive the sins that came to the soul through those organs of the body. I think that goes back to something I mentioned maybe two episodes ago about how the sacraments are really the best uh, catechetical tools yeah. for mm-hmm. educating the faithful. I mean, there's just like when we talk about the rite of baptism or the rite of extreme unction, you're learning so much about the theology behind the church's understanding of healing, of of uh, sacramental medicine, of uh, death, <clears throat> just by witnessing the rite itself. Mm-hmm. Especially when the rite's in Latin. You know, I, I know that like you can still do some of it in English, right? Or it depends vernacular. on what, it, yeah. Um, but even if it's all in Latin, if the priest chooses to do all in Latin, you're still by the by the actions that are being done. You you can still learn more about it. So I, I have one more question. Um, when you're a person who is in a state of grace, who's dying, 
and they are unable to receive extreme unction versus a person who does, what's the difference for the state of their soul upon death between those two people? Well, you get that increase of sanctifying grace, and you get the actual sacramental graces that that sacrament gives. Okay. Yeah, so it's always better to have the sacraments. Because if that person did, if that person that did not have access to the sacraments did die in a state of sanctifying grace, mm-hmm. they're going to heaven. Right. Um, but they they don't have the graces that someone else would have by receiving mm-hmm. right, the so, Eucharist. So more graces, in one sense, translates to more glory. Gotcha. So there's that. That's what I was thinking. But there's also, um, yeah, that person's in a state of sanctifying grace now. But as long as we have breath, we can it's lose it, sin. right? And and that's it, it, the onslaught of the devil. That's one of the reasons that we want that anointing is because it it enables the soul to fight off that last assault of the devil to die in calmness and resignation as a as a good Christian to yeah. to mm-hmm. do that. And and we need that help because the the devil is a strong enemy. Just because a soul dies in sanctifying grace doesn't mean that they don't have to undergo purification and purgatory. Mm-hmm. So that soul like counter that with the example of a soul in sanctifying sanctifying grace that also receives extreme unction viaticum the apostolic pardon um, right so there's you know forgiveness of sins and the temporal right. punishments right so because extreme unctions forgives original uh, uh not original venial sins mm-hmm. so that means if those are forgiven you don't have to deal with them in purgatory mm. right. so there's a higher chance that that person just right one way right. to get to especially with the apostolic pardon which is normally part yeah. of the last rites which is a, a plenary indulgence the hour of death which if you read the bulletin read the bulletin read the bulletin which everybody does yeah i'm thoroughly mm, um i've put in there the the indulgence that if you are dying and you don't have access to a priest you can still get a plenary indulgence hmm. consider how like towards the end of your life with your last breaths the devil and his minions are going to be working tooth and nail to drag you down to hell anything and everything possible to say that we, we're going to grab another. That's soul. why it's very important for those who are attending the, the, the dying person. And it says that actually in the right. It's one of the first things you do is actually you bless the room, the dying room of the, of the person and bless the conversation. You want to remove anything of temptation to that person. Um, it's not a good idea to have the TV constantly going in a d- dying person's room. Or even in a sick person's room. That would be so weird. I you know, know, you don't want you know keep keep people away from them if they are they're upsetting, right? You know, it should it's be one, prayerful. And it should be prayerful. Um, and and I I have attended. Uh, I was so edified by a particular family in in, in our parish. This was a, a few years ago when uh, the matriarch was was dying. All the family was in her room, like keeping constant vigil, singing, caressing her saying the rosary oh, saying it, 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 i was really edified it was it was one of the best days I mean, it was it was a good day to be a priest to be a part of that and to have an integral part of it because i came and was able to give her the last sacrament stayed there for the rosary and said the prayers of the dying with them i mean and that's that's that was a really good death i mean there's a good death right but there's a really good there's a really good death, death yeah. and that was a really good one mm-hmm. um, how like how peaceful would that as peace as peaceful as it could be yeah you know, for I mean, that I mean the, the only thing that I, I could even imagine that it, uh, an analogous situation would be the death of an on a convent with all of her sisters yeah. kneeling down with candles mm-hmm. chanting over her. That, that would kind of be... reminds me of the the stained glass windows you see traditionally of like the death of the Virgin or whatnot, where just like 
everyone is surrounding them and it looks like this great scene of devotion mm -hmm. you know you even see that in like natural depictions of like george washington dying or lincoln where like yeah. everyone's like surrounding them you yeah. know it just it seems like a because one of the one of the biggest fears i think of many people is to die alone in one sense you you do die alone i mean you, so you go through that, that you go through that they're not coming with you right but for them to be there while you're undergoing that is a great comfort yeah uh, especially if they're helping you take care of your spiritual needs i guess and and it's just in human nature too any time of trauma you would like to have people you right. love around you yeah and that's the ultimate bodily yeah. trauma indeed all right well uh that was a great episode our next episode will be on the sacrament of orders, uh, or sacraments of vocation, I should say, where we have holy orders and the sacrament of marriage. So please send us your questions or your comments, and we would love to get to them if we want to get to them. Yeah, we'd be happy to ignore them. <laughs> we are very happy to ignore them. We keep asking for questions. Also, please hit... <laughs> we know that nobody's yeah. going to do that, so... We can be flipping about it. All 52 of you. Please be sure to hit the subscribe button if you haven't and give us a we'll good... Give, we will, if V underscore Putin said something, we will give that oh, yeah. top billing. Yeah. We, will, we will answer that question. Top billing. Also give us a glowing five-star review. Share this podcast with your family and friends. And we will... As long as our parishioners. <laughs> and have a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> See you next time, folks. <laughs>